Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six and Flow. Thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Middle Movers. I'm here with Praveen Kumar from Shopify. He's a senior content marketing manager there. And we're so happy to have him on with us today. Welcome, Praveen. Thanks, Khadija. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. How are how are things? How are things going for you? You know, pretty good, all things considered. Uh, working from home has been a bit of an adjustment, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no complaints. Oh, I guess yeah. you guys are... Um, over at Shopify, you're doing the the digital first thing, so you're you're at home for real. Like, there's no yeah, no forever, way. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel about yeah. that? I know it's been a few months since um, that set in, but are are you like adjusting well to it? Does it seem like a good move for you personally? So I've realized throughout all this that I'm an extrovert. I always thought I was an introvert, but uh, <laughs> I need to be around people. I need to like talk to people. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's been an adjustment. Um, yeah, I like try to book calls like every every day, like one call with like a random person just to like catch up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just like you just find ways to adapt. Yeah, I would say the same. I definitely at first I thought it was like the best thing ever that I was like, OK, like cut down on commute time. You know, I can go to my own kitchen, get my own snacks, <laughs> all these like, yeah. little things. But I definitely miss like the organic like office kitchen banter or you know walking with someone go get a coffee or just you know rolling by someone's desk and being like oh how was your evening or just having those really in good sometimes short but nice like in-person interactions and I as time has passed I'm like I really miss those little things that I definitely took for granted a year ago so yeah. I totally get it so to start off I would love it if you could share with the crowd um three fun facts about yourself this is my favorite one to ask and I'm gonna ask it every time <laughs> this is my least favorite question to answer because like what if your facts aren't fun enough you know I think I'm very conscious about this right now um <clears throat> my, my apologies. Uh, fun fact number one uh I'm an aggressively mediocre freestyle dancer uh <laughs> people are generally like pretty surprised when they see me at work parties <laughs> oh my god that's but, awesome. uh that's my first fun fact. My second fun fact is I like writing comedy outside of work. Uh, okay. That's what got me into writing was uh, writing jokes, writing plays, uh, doing like those like comedy, like social media pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that like I, I, re- I recently like rediscovered again and I'm like getting back into. So that's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, and my third fun fact is I'm extremely left-handed. Like, <laughs> um, What do you mean extremely left-handed? Like, I rarely use my right hand for anything. I just realized that, like, the other day. I'm just like... Because <laughs> some people are, like, kind of left-handed. Yeah. But I'm, like, a, I'm like at least, like, a, an 8 or 9 out of 10 left-handed. This is amazing. I've never heard anybody talk about their hand usage this way. And I, I think I'm going to start saying I'm extremely right-handed now. You've inspired me yeah. to, to be myself, be my true self. So. <laughs> like, if there's, like, something on my... Like, if there's something on my right side... Mm-hmm. right and I go to grab it I'll grab it with my left hand but isn't that more Even work though, yeah but that's what I mean by extremely left-handed like it makes no sense oh my you you pledge allegiance to the left hand I can respect that yeah 
man. So like awesome. one out of ten people in the world are left-handed. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> this is awesome. These are these were good ones. I didn't know. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I was a spelling bee champion in grade seven or something. So I'm glad you, that you did something <laughs> that's not as basic as that. <laughs> I won most improved student in middle school twice. That's another fun fact. Ooh, look at that. A bonus fun <laughs> fact. Go with those. That's really impressive, actually. Good work. Oh, man. Speaking of work, um, I obviously told the folks at the beginning that you work at Shopify, but why don't you tell us in your own words what you do day to day? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a senior content marketing manager on the content marketing team, uh, focusing mostly on our merchant audience. Mm-hmm. So we have content marketing uh, teams focused on uh, like Shopify Plus, partners, retail. Uh, I focus on like the core uh, merchant audience. Okay. So I feel like as most people know Shopify, like that's the audience I focus on. Um, and I work on mostly, I mostly create content for uh, acquisition opportunities and for education uh, for early entrepreneurs in particular. Ooh. So uh, the way I was described is like, there's like different versions of Shopify depending on like what you need. Right. And so um, a lot of the work I've done over the past two years, especially has been focused around um, like for some people, let's say like print on demand is like one use case for Shopify. I want to sell uh, products via like print on demand because I want to hold the inventory and, you know, do all that. Right. Um, I'll create resources to help support that use case um, to hopefully like rank for the relevant keywords uh, to get people in. Mm-hmm. And considering Shopify uh, for that. And then on the other side, I'll do stuff around uh, what, what I've called like uh, merchant milestone content. So this is like stuff that like uh, the entrepreneurial journey is like different for everyone, but there's like right. certain milestones that everyone needs to hit um, no matter what you're building. You know, so like mm-hmm. uh, like on Shopify, it'll be like how to set up a sh- uh, how to set up an online store, for example. Um, right. Or it might be something like... Uh, uh, like every like a lot of people have experienced what it's like to like be driving traffic but not getting any sales right so how can we create something to address that uh, pain point so it's like any kind of like common uh, pain or like obstacle or you know whatever where like I can create something that can be uh, distributed to that specific segment of our audience because um, it is like a large group of people usually because it's a common uh, problem or pain point so mm-hmm. Um, I know it's like, it's always worth investing work if I feel like the opportunity is there or like the, the need is there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like content marketing that's like very intentional and deliberate, um, where everything feels like an asset in the archive, where it can be like distributed, like long-term within Mm -hmm. like the ecosystem, um, that exists both like internally within the company, like sales support, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then externally SEO, uh, social media, uh, you know, retargeting campaigns, just like, just thinking about how it would plug into, uh, to that ecosystem. Wow. That's really awesome. And obviously I'm sure you're using different data points to kind of understand what the needs are and then being able to deliver on something that can help such a large group of people. I, I feel like that would be really fulfilling. Am I correct? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is, like we do have like data that services some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, what I try to do personally, like my own professional development at Shopify is uh, one, use the product myself, like just to, like find an excuse to do it. Um, and then, you know, part of that is uh, helping like friends or like just like people I meet um, who want to set up a Shopify store or, you know, want to just like 
take their marketing to the next level or like, you know, the infrastructure to do marketing effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, just making a bit of time to, to help those people out. And then talking to them, you realize a lot about the product. You learn a lot about the product and you internalize that and I can like bring it back into my work. Um, hmm. When it comes to like coming with content ideas or even thinking about how certain topics need to be covered. Um, right. Because yeah, you can like go into Ahrefs and do like a competitor gap analysis and like try to like, like you'd like take that approach to come up with content ideas. And, but I think uh, everyone's context is unique and mm-hmm. it, it's worth it to like take the time to immerse yourself in that, whether it's like quantitative data from like surveys, like customer surveys and like stuff like that, or, but also like just like the anecdotal stuff, the stuff that you just like, you get through like immersion and osmosis. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I learned, especially when I was in content marketing, was that a lot of folks, customers, prospects, they kind of look for themselves in the mirror in terms of like the content that they're consuming and putting out there. So I feel like, exactly, yeah, like when you're getting those stories, like those firsthand stories and using that as a way to create material that would be useful for that audience, like I feel like it resonates more because it's like people feel seen and it's like, okay, my problem can definitely be solved by x content piece that you've put out for example yeah and then so now that you're you know like you're entrenched in the content marketing world um, i'd love to know was that kind of the area of marketing that you always saw yourself going into like be it because of your interests or anything like that or was there kind of another area of marketing that you were hoping to get into or in general what made you want to do marketing too yeah um that's a good question because marketing is so broad. Um, yeah, really, I have always been a writer. Like for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a writer um, of some kind, and I want to write for TV. Actually, that was like oh, wow. my initial dream. Um, okay. And you know, how, like your your plan B becomes your plan A because it's safer, and you know, like so that kind of happened to me. Okay. Uh, and I figured content marketing would be a good compromise career path. Um, I knew I was right. Like it is like a very fulfilling uh career to be in mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so i, I was always, i always wanted to be a writer and so um just knowing that just like having like a very clear target of like what i wanted to do i wanted to write and it would probably be in like a marketing context the right. two options in front of me were like copywriting and content marketing mm-hmm. and so um i started freelancing like as early as high school uh oh, wow. like towards the tail end of high school and then throughout university i used to like write every like anything that people needed me to write like <laughs> i wrote essays for people uh, i wrote a poem for someone's girlfriend once like it was like <laughs> all over the place oh my God. Um, diverse range eventually yeah eventually eventually it became more uh normal <laughs> like the stuff that i would take on so i was like mm-hmm. consulting for like entrepreneurs uh, helping them with their website copy um doing like resumes uh, cover letters that kind of stuff right um and in doing so i just built up a portfolio um and, uh, you know, some of my clients wanted me to write blog articles and like, um, I had my own blog and I, like, I really enjoyed just like in all the creative work I've done, I really enjoyed, uh, just like having an audience and being yeah. able to like create stuff for them, uh, seeing how they reacted to it and then taking that insight back into my own creative process and then creating something again. And just like going through that, that cycle. Um, right. I really enjoyed that. Um, and it, cause it reminds me a lot of like, like writing comedy. Like back in the day when it was like you would write a joke and then you would be able to get like live feedback from the audience mm-hmm. um 
you know, whether it landed or not. Right. Right. And uh, you make like little improvements over time. And like, it's like that kind of like process towards improving something um, that you've already created and also improving the next thing that you will create. Right. And I think I, I find a lot of that in content marketing, which I like that. That's what I have found. So um, just like engaging about it, like something that I w- I'm willing to like put the time and effort into to getting better at. Um, wow. So yeah, that's how I ended up. I, my first job in content marketing was actually uh, not even in content marketing. It was for a content marketing software company. Right. Uh, I got hired in a sales role. Oh. And uh, the the only, like, I always make this joke, but it's like the only thing I ever sold them was why they should put me on the marketing team as a writer because I'd be able to do more damage. <laughs> I was like the worst salesperson they ever had uh, <laughs> in that sense. Never met Quota once. Um, oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, that... Uh, that's like my origin story, basically. Um, knew nothing about like the technical side of marketing. Didn't know anything about mm-hmm. Google Analytics, keyword research, none of that. Um, all I knew was like how to write and just how to come up with like creative concepts. Um, wow. And yeah, like that was enough to just get me far as like a top of funnel marketer, um, mm-hmm. at the very least. And then, yeah, when I started at Shopify, it was when like, I really got into like the technical side, uh, keyword research, just getting better at like the analytics side. Um, Thinking more about distribution, uh, being more strategic about my work, understanding what a lead magnet is, how to create a good one, um, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I love the origin story. Um, <laughs> did you, um, like now that you, especially like at Shopify, getting more into the technical side of things, do you find that the time is kind of split between actually creating and then actually, and like doing that sort of research from more technical side of things? Or do you feel like there's a different balance that you found there? Yeah, so... Um, one of the things that was different about Shopify, which I really liked was, uh, mm. uh, and you probably experienced this before in like content marketing roles, but like the old emphasis on quantity, yeah. um, as an individual contributor, you know, you're tasked to like ship, let's say like three posts a week. Right. I, I have been in situations where I was like tasked to, to, to put out three posts a week, right. but, uh, Shopify, um, when I joined and, you know, there were like, there were like cases when like, you know, like other work gets added on, but like in terms of like just creating something, I'd have like a whole week to create one really good piece of content. Wow. Um, so from like idea to creation, to, to distribution, to measurement, to like following up, uh, to like optimizing it, um, mm-hmm. got like full ownership over that process. And in doing so you approach it less as like a creator and more like, uh, um, you almost look at your job as like, I'm creating a product and I'm going to market with it, right? So right. there has to be some kind of demand for this product that you want to evaluate um, using the tools at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to like figure out, all right, what's the best, uh, what are the best distribution channels I can use, the promotional channels for getting this out to the right people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, afterwards you, you follow up and then you see, hey, how did this work out? Uh is it ranking for the, the keywords I want to rank for? Is it like at the bottom of the first page? Can I like start like making some optimizations like the page title and whatnot? Like are right. people arriving at this lengthy blog post and then bouncing? Can I add like navigational links that help people find the sections better? Like am I, is that, was it my intro week? Is my headline week? Like all these things that you can improve knowing that this is something that could create value long-term and you can squeeze more value out of it long-term if you just invest a little bit more effort into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's how you go about creating fewer, better things um, is learning how to like identify the right opportunities that are worthwhile. Um, and instead of like focusing on like 
like writing what you know is usually conventional writing wisdom. Right. But I find in content marketing, a lot of the times you got to write what you don't know, but what your audience wants to know. And to, um, you know, to do that, like you end up like really like pushing yourself. Uh, oh, absolutely. You, you find you find people that are experts on that topic. And then like this is actually, I think, has helped me grow so much. It's just like choosing a topic that I'm like, my audience is interested in this and I'm also interested in learning this. Um, I'll find someone within Shopify that has this expertise mm-hmm. and then I'll just like basically combine their uh, curse of knowledge with my gift of ignorance. And then you meet somewhere in the middle and you produce something that is like, it's beginner friendly about a topic that is usually not as accessible for a lot of people. Um, and so at the end of every piece, I feel like I get a little bit better. Um, if we write about like, let's say like marketing attribution or like mm-hmm. uh, something that I wasn't like uh, as familiar with, I would, I would get it by the end and I would bring that into um, my actual work as well. Um, and I would give the person like the, the writing credit um, mm-hmm. because they would like actually like really help in shaping the piece, uh, not just as like an interview. Um, and it's like a fun little thing that I try to do here and there um, to one, help other people get a little more visibility, but also like for me to learn and also to like write uh, things that are useful to our audience. Wow, that really resonates with me too, especially like when you're talking about, you know, finding experts within your own workspace, because that was something I did, especially when I made the shift from MarTech to construction tech. Mm -hmm. Like I only knew about construction as like someone that would drive by a construction site and, you know, I'm like seeing the machinery and seeing like the end product of whatever it is that they're trying to create, but actually understanding the language that people are using to communicate about the products, the services, like it was just best to use literally the resources around me in the form of my, you know, like fellow teammates. And I've just learned so much just by sitting down with folks and really hearing their story and how they go about framing things, how they, their thought process Mm -hmm. as well. So I definitely um, agree with that and would definitely encourage folks that are in content marketing to do that more because you just learn so much and like, you shouldn't be afraid of topics that you're not an expert on because even though you won't become an expert, there's, that's still a learning opportunity for yourself as the creator, but also for your audience as the end receiver of what you put out to them. So. Yeah, I'm curious because like you've gone into like a completely different context, right? Mm-hmm. What are what are your thoughts? Like the fastest way, like like the first thing that you can do to gain as much context as possible, um, when you go from like something like Martech to construction. Right. So for me, um, basically, um, going into the job, really just looking at that specific company. Like you're obviously doing this like through the interview process and everything, but just seeing like in terms of content that's been put out in particular, um, I would always look for common trends, like either in topics or language. So that's like the first thing before you get there. And then hopefully trying to learn about competitors as well and what sort of language they're talking about and how similar or different that alignment is. And then mm-hmm. once you're actually there, literally just talking to anybody who has time to talk to you. Like I would mostly talk to sales um, just because I was hoping to kind of foster that sales and marketing alignment. But I was talking to execs if they had time, you know, understanding how their meetings were. I'd be asking sales folks to send me calls or I would be like listening in on their meetings, just hearing and like really immersing myself in the language used by folks that had been there longer than I had and maybe had even made a similar transition from like a completely different industry because that's I found what most folks in that particular context 
um, had experience. So just even getting their tips on like how they got up to speed quickly and, you know, trying to iterate mm-hmm. on those things for myself. Um, so that's how I would say I would start. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And I was gonna say like, I've been in the same context roughly. Yeah. Like MarTech to, I guess like, you know, SMB, but I focus a lot on like marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm like, that's why I was curious, like how you made that jump. Cause I'm probably going to end up doing that at some point in my career. Yeah. It's, yeah, I was definitely intimidated because I also started off when I entered tech, I was in sales first and I was basically marketing myself to end up in marketing. And then that's how the whole train started. So we're definitely similar there mm-hmm. too. And it was just nerve wracking going from like a comfortable, I've been there for a year. I knew, you know, a lot of stuff in terms of, you know, language use and everything. And just to completely shift gears in terms of industry, I was like, you're making a mistake, but I learned so much <laughs> and how yeah. flexible your brain can really be. So that was awesome for me. One thing you said, um, like at the beginning when you were talking about content marketing was um, like how your dream initially was to write for television. And I'm just, I'm still stuck on that and still so curious. Like, what were you hoping to write for TV if you had gone down that path? What do you think you would have written? Comedy and uh, I would have loved to write, write for like a late night show or something. Uh, that would be awesome. Because I like, it's just something that like, it's something I just do in my spare time anyway. Like, yeah. I feel like my brain just like processes experiences, uh, events, pain, whatever, and just like turns it, converts it into like, jokes <laughs> yeah um so like all my personal social media like i don't do the whole personal brand thing but i do like put out a lot of uh a lot of my creative projects are like like comedy oriented usually you just like focus on like making people laugh um so yeah that's that was the initial dream but i also mm-hmm. feel like like teaching is also satisfying and fulfilling to me and i feel like content marketing lets you do that at scale um yes so it's like this thing that I didn't know I was into, but I am now like very much into it. So yeah, I think I ended up in like the right career. It sounds like it. And I follow you on Twitter and honestly, <laughs> some of the stuff you put out, I honestly, I just sit at my desk and I'm just laughing so hard. Like the <laughs> one where you used all the emojis to talk about diversity. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that one was hilarious. Um, and then also, you had one that went viral. I couldn't remember exactly the context of it. And maybe maybe I'm, you um, know, blowing your horn too much saying that it went viral, but I feel like it actually did though. <laughs> uh, it, that was the emoji one actually. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. I, I like writing satire just because I feel like it's like a good way to make, to like comment Yeah. on society and like things that you don't like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I didn't expect that one to, to pop off, but I'm glad it did. Yeah, it was so funny and I kept seeing it on my feed because other people were liking it or retweeting it. And then there was the one you had about like the the mics or whatever, the mic club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one was so good. Did that just like hit you one day or did was it triggered by something that you're not going to obviously expose in full, de- <laughs> full detail? But I, I was like, how does he come uh, up with this stuff? This is awesome. <laughs> it's definitely the latter. Uh yeah. Like I said, like sometimes I'll just like just like observe things and you're like, this is way this is so hilarious. It can't be reality, but it is reality, so I might as well turn it into something hilarious. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the work has been done for me. Um <laughs> Yeah, shit just writes itself sometimes. I totally get Yeah. It. it was so perfect. I was like, man, because even though I hadn't 
like had the experience through your eyes or whatever like i i'm sure myself and a bunch of other folks were like oh i can definitely think of a moment like that or that i've seen something like this so i think that's why it resonated with people so much it's just so relatable unfortunately yeah unfortunately exactly <laughs> oh man um so i think we kind of touched on like why you've decided to stick with marketing like you find it fulfilling you've learned so much um you know it's kind of in line with what you thought you were going to do in terms of like your dream of writing for tv and like you just get to be creative and everything like that um but for someone who's been in the content sphere of marketing for so long like is that kind of where you see yourself continuing on with or are there other areas of marketing that you're hoping to explore as you continue to grow in your career so i like content marketing because it's so versatile and you can technically touch on nearly like any other form of marketing um yeah, that's true because a lot of marketing disciplines are essentially channels, performance marketing, you know, you got like paid social mm -hmm. search ads. Um, and so there's a lot of overlap with like, like, you know, email marketing and social media and all that. So mm -hmm. I think content marketing is the lane I want to stay in. Um, how I'm trying to develop and grow is just to understand everything that it touches better. Right. Um, so I'm getting like really into like performance marketing now and just like learning more about that world. Um, especially on like the technical side, I'm a little bit familiar with like the strategic side. Right. You know, I know there's like a prospecting campaign and like an, a retargeting campaign, like generally like what are the levers that you can pull on in like different, uh, ad platforms, uh, especially like Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and like a little bit of like hands-on experience, but, uh, yeah, I want to get like a little bit more, uh, email marketing. There are things that like I know in theory. Right. But I want to get better at knowing in practice, um, just like color in, you know, whatever I think I know um, <laughs> about any other type of marketing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, grow as wide as possible. Um, I'm trying to learn how to code as well. Uh, I think the future of content marketing is going to be more about, like, I feel like it's synonymous with, like, blog posts too often. It's like, hey, we're going to do content marketing. Okay, let's write some blog posts, right? Right. It's like the whole, like, SEO uh, driven approach to it mm -hmm. but like i'm just seeing so many businesses that could benefit from content marketing that you know maybe they're like uh, restricted to a certain geography right or like mm -hmm. um their sales funnel looks different or like they're not they're not in like the martech space right, right. um I, I always say that like uh, a lot of content marketing is like marketers marketing to marketers marketing to marketers marketing to marketers uh <laughs> and when that's not your context it, it should look completely different right or like right. Um, like for a, like a D to C brand, what does content marketing look like? And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I just feel like at the end of the day, it's about creating like free value for your target audience, right? Like value right. that they actually want, um, uh, whether it's like education, entertainment or inspiration. And so, um, yeah, just like exposing myself to like new context, just to like figure out what it would look like as a strategy, um, there. Um, yeah. Damn. Um, and then when it comes to, um, like learning about those different contexts, like for example, you just mentioned D to C brands, do you find that <clears throat> with what you're doing currently kind of targeting the merchant side of things at Shopify that you get insight into contexts that way, or are you kind of more so doing the work outside of your regular work hours to really understand like how things are differing as you're trying to build up those skills? I try to do a little bit of everything. So hands-on for me, uh, mm -hmm. hands-on learning is like 
like really impactful, I think. Um, but it's also incomplete. Uh, like I've set up a dropshipping store and a print on demand store. And like I have experience with those, like, you know, growing Instagram audience, like stuff like that. I'm right, right. With now. But then like I'll talk to like other people that have, they hold their own inventory and ship it out, right? Which I've never done. Okay. So I'm talking to them and like getting a sense of like, okay, what struggles, what are they struggling with? Not can we solve for that? Or like, you know, businesses that uh, have a higher like customer lifetime value potential, right? right. Um, what are the retention levers that they can um, put into place, right? So I helped, uh, I helped someone set up like a loyalty and referral program uh, recently. And it's like, that's okay. something I've never done, but like, you know, in doing it, it was like, oh, okay, I kind of get how this works now. And like, mm-hmm. you know, what different ways, like what are some of the different ways that you can like set up um, an effective program that people actually want to use? Um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, one of the things that I think is immensely, one of the things I learned in school that is completely irrelevant to marketing, but is actually like very <laughs> relevant yeah. uh, is, uh, did you major in English by any chance? I did. Yes. Okay. So you know what close reading is then? I do. <laughs> uh, and I think that is like one of the most, like the most key skills I learned in school was like how to close read. Uh, yes. You just like, you know, you pump the brakes, you don't read as, you don't consume for the sake of getting to the end. You consume with the intention of understanding, criticizing, um, seeing the effect that something has on you. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially like reverse engineering the choices that the the writer made, right? And... I find you can apply that to like anything, a YouTube video, uh, an ad, um, mm-hmm. an email. And then if you just do that again and again, you can, um, you can get, uh, you can just learn a lot, right. From the choices that other people make. Um, right. especially as you like develop your own sense of taste, um, like within your craft. Definitely. Yeah. I think for me, that's definitely been um the biggest skill i've taken from school as well um and just like i feel like i use it most days if not every day just especially when in in a research phase and really trying to find those trends as i talked about previously so yeah i would definitely agree with you there so yeah so looking kind of at this year 2021 are there any sort of trends or learnings that you've seen kind of in this first part of the year um that you could see kind of carrying through this year in marketing or even in e-commerce or business in general, anything that you're kind of keeping your eye on and hoping to either see continue or hoping that it kind of dies off depending. Yeah, I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's a good question. I think, uh, the focus on community, Mm -hmm. um, just like building community amongst your customer base, I think that is going to be increasingly important. Uh, you saw with like COVID, like, Mm-hmm. You know, when the pandemic hit, the cost of acquiring new customers went up and it's like, okay, if you can't do that, you don't have like a real retail store. It's like, what do you really have is like your customer base, your community, right? Right. And so I've seen so many uh, small businesses just lean into that for support and for just like, um, you know, whether they were like selling gift cards uh, so people can support them when they open the doors again, or mm-hmm. just like focusing more on like social media marketing. Uh, the barbershop that I went to, uh, released content on like how to uh, essentially like maintain your own hair, right? Oh wow! Uh, yourself, right? And it's like just like seeing like small businesses do that, mm-hmm. demonstrate like a lot of resourcefulness and um, just like care for like their customer base and community, um, which is the one advantage that you have is like the little person, you know? 
Right, definitely. Because you're small, you know, when you when you reach out to customer support, you might be talking to like the founder of the company. Like, you know, that doesn't happen with like Amazon, right? No, certainly <laughs> not. You can barely find their customer um, support as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The larger a company gets, the worse their customer support gets. Like, I feel like that's uh, generally like a thing, um, <laughs> at least so in my true. experience. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I hope to see that continue. Um, mm -hmm. And I hope to see, oh, one of the trends I'm personally excited for is what we're seeing with creators. Um, it kind of like piggybacks off this whole community thing. Right. But I'm seeing more and more creators focus on building communities, focus on, uh, I feel like the past decade has been about building audiences. And then right. now it's about building communities. Like it's not about having like, you know, tens of thousands of Instagram followers. It's about having like a few thousand that interact with you every day that are willing mm -hmm. to like, uh, support you on Patreon, right? Or like if you drop anything, you know, whether it's like the thing that they signed up for or not, you know, they're there for you to consume and support, share all that stuff, right? For sure. And uh, I hope that's a trend that continues. And I hope it's a trend that more brands consider because I think one of the best things about uh, content marketing in particular mm -hmm. is you're trying to create value that's independent of the core products that you're offering, right? Right. Like there are people that consume the Shopify blog that don't use Shopify. Right. Yes, myself included. And so, <laughs> and so that's that's I think something that brands could like lean into more and more. Like, okay, what, how do you push that further? Right? right. How do you create something that makes people feel like they're a part of something, whether they use your products or not? Right. And then the people who don't use your products, maybe one day, because of all the help and support mm -hmm. and the community that you've given them, you know, how do you? Maybe they'll be likely to become a customer refer you to someone else who might be a customer, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that sort of like smaller scale, deeper resonance form of marketing, I think like that's something that uh, brands should be pushing towards more. And then mm -hmm. basically all the top of funnel stuff that you do to bring in new people. Now you have this new thing, this retention like mechanism that they can be a part of that can like keep them, um, you know, on your platform longer or, or like engage with you in some way, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, I feel like a mistake that a lot of organizations can make is that, you know, all of the content, like it has to convert, there has to be a purchase made or something like that. And there isn't enough attention given to a, like you said, the community building aspect and, you know, what keeps people coming back and also just in general solving a problem if it's not for a current customer, for someone that could potentially a become a future customer or refer you to someone that could become a future customer and like just really putting out that good quality valuable content that there isn't necessarily a return expected every time you give something like i know it's we've talked about or probably heard several times you know over the course of our careers you know that you have to give to get but it shouldn't you shouldn't always expect that to be the outcome sometimes it's just about getting the right folks um the right information at the right time and that sometimes is it. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like it gets compared to performance marketing a lot where it is that mm -hmm. whole, like you put something out and then like the whole like, direct response thing. Right. Um, versus I think at least like modern content marketing, a lot of it is just brands trying to emulate uh, YouTubers and influencers, you know, people that yeah. are able to like build audiences Yes. Uh, out of like their own charisma and like value and like whatever, whatever shape that takes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the consistency behind it too. Right. Um, and it's funny because for them, selling is secondary, right? They try to monetize after they build the audience, right? Right. 
Um, and it's like, okay, if that's what brands are trying to emulate, then you need that piece as well, but you also need the, the stuff that does convert. Right. So like, I think mm -hmm. it's not like one or the other. I think like we need both. Um, mm -hmm. and brands tend to over index on one or the other. I find this like so interesting. Um, and I hope to see it become more connected, right. Where you have something, you have an engine that's like really good at, for like top of funnel awareness and bringing in new people. Mm -hmm. But then like, what's your engine for retention and yeah. like advocacy and like, you know, all of those things. Yeah. All the um, moving because, parts. Yeah. Yeah. And like content can like play a role in all of it. Um, mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, and then something else that I'm kind of curious about that you mentioned was you're seeing, like you've been impressed by particularly smaller businesses with their community building and, you know, those special touches. Um, do you think it's something that is possible for larger businesses or, or what do you think are, is kind of like holding them back or why we haven't seen it as much on social media or in digital outcomes in general? Yeah, I think uh, with smaller businesses, you usually got like the one of the founders doing it, right? So it's like this yeah. sense of like, like a, if you hop on an Instagram live with like, let's say like a personal trainer, right? Right. Uh, you know who they are, you know, you want to tune in like again and again. I think with uh, larger businesses, uh, they got to hire, you got to have someone like that like that kind of like that kind of like becomes the face of your brand in like that specific area right. um and for that you need like a good host or you need someone that has i don't know that i, I feel like it's still like yet to be like figured out but uh yeah um i do think it's something that like anything a small brand can do i think like a big brand can emulate um mm -hmm. yeah because i definitely would agree i've seen more content leaning towards the community building side of things but i i feel mm -hmm. like yeah larger brands have been trying to but the effect i don't know it just isn't the same and i just feel like folks are just trying to figure out how to go about that being that they're yeah. such a large scale it's like who do you get involved you know how do you make it feel personal even though it's obviously known to be a larger brand so i feel like there's just yeah there's layers to what needs to be figured out for it to be successful but i don't think it's impossible per se yeah, no, uh, I think it, it relies a lot on like the host that you get. Yeah. Uh, their own charisma, their likability, mm -hmm. um, authenticity, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So shifting gears a little bit to kind of things that you've, not that everything that you've done so far hasn't been fun for you, but <laughs> just kind of things that you've experimented with, things that you've shared with me over our couple of discussions. Um, but I learned from you when I asked you to, to come on here that you also um, previously had a podcast so I'd love to hear kind of yeah like a bit about that um, why you want to start it what you learned from it any any things you'd like to share about that era of yourself yeah um <laughs> so uh like a few years ago I managed Shopify Masters which is like Shopify's uh, own podcast right like customer facing podcast mm -hmm. and uh just more like the logistics and uh, like growth of the show. Um, not really like on the production side. Okay. Um, so just fun to like grow that. I think you got it to like a million annual downloads. Um, wow. And then, uh, yeah, it's just like a, a, a someone else took that on. And then I, I want to start an internal podcast as like a, we have this thing called Hack Days. Oh, okay. Uh, just like, you know, you, I think it's like every few months or something you break it into groups and then you just like hack away at something. Okay. Um, 
And so I decided to to make a, a video podcast, my hack days project, because I wanted to like learn how to edit video and like I, I enjoy interviewing people, uh, as you probably do as well if you're doing this. <laughs> yes, I do. It's um, been good. It's a lot of fun, you know. You get to like you know talk to people and like dig deep. Uh, yeah. So I decided to start a hack days project on like something that I care a lot about, which is like just like the whole like like navigating your career as an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, uh, especially in like marketing, because it is tricky. Uh, I find I have some of the best conversations, like the most nuanced conversations about like the craft, mm-hmm. uh, talking to individual contributors versus people in more senior roles, right? They might have like a high level view, but like right. if you want to talk about like specific experiments that have been run, like successes, failures, what you can learn from them, you know, uh, specific opportunities, just like mm-hmm. the nitty gritty, like it's just like so immensely valuable if you let's say like I'm in content marketing and I interview someone that does paid search just to like even understand how their craft works is immensely valuable right uh so I did a uh, internal podcast I only did like five episodes I just wanted to like pilot it out that was like my hack days project was just to like run like a bit of a pilot for it okay um and yeah it was a lot of fun uh every year I try to do like one side project that I feel like pushes me out of pushes me outside of my comfort zone so that was that for last year nice. um <laughs> And what about yeah. for this year? Or is that a secret? That's a secret. Uh, it's a secret to me too. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> okay, fair. We're still early in the year, so I can respect respect that boundary. <laughs> well, that's awesome that you, A, were kind of on the logistics side of things with one, but then you also decided to pilot one that was based on something that you found to be important to you. And I think just, yeah, I think that's such good advice as well, just kind of challenging yourself to learn about different things and expose yourself to different people that are um, within your craft. Like, even though I'm only a few episodes into this, like I've learned so much about how folks view similar things or, you know, similar projects, you know, viewing how, you know, how to place value on different outcomes and just it's exposed me to so much in such a short time. And I, I really can see the value in, yeah, doing these things, but also having these conversations, podcasts or not, just really speaking to people that are kind of at similar levels from you, like you can still learn so much in such a short period of time. So I'm glad it was the yeah. same for you. All right. I, I was surprised that this didn't make it out the gate. And maybe it's because I sent you the questions beforehand. But I think the folks need to know about the Tumblr poet, because that was oh. like one of the first <laughs> things I learned about you. And I... I would love if you could share with folks what that is. It's a permanent aspect of my personal brand now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, this is like I think like two and a half years ago or three years ago or something. I was like, uh, you know, Instagram poetry. Yes, of like course. R.M. Drake, Rupi Kaur, uh, Atticus. The uh, Times New Roman. <laughs> yeah. White background. Uh, you know, like that typewriter font or like times you Roman yeah. and then just like, just like a few words. And then it's like, it's poetry. Yes. Um, so I saw that and I'm like, what if I did that? Like, can I do that? Like, how hard can it be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I did it. Cause I was like, like, I want to do it in like the exact way that they do it. Right. Which is like, it's like a, a game of quantity, right. not quality. You just try to like crank out as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to see like, where's the line like where's the line when this becomes like terrible like (laughs) where's the line where this does not be this is no longer poetry right right 
So I tried to, so I, I set up an Instagram account uh, called the Tumblr Poet. They, like the pen name is like TT Poet. Yeah. Because um, they all have initials, right? Of Art course. Drake. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to like uh, post a poem in air quotes, a poem every day. Mm-hmm. And just like see how far I can go, right? And I thought I would only do it for like three, four months. Uh, I did it for like a, like a over a year. Oh my god! Uh, I grew an audience of like four thousand followers. I had like I had legitimate fans. Like <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the part that that like cracks me up is that like I had legitimate fans. Like I would stop posing for a little bit, I would come back, and then I'll get like DMs being like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're back." Like complete strangers. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, you know, sharing it in group chats, sharing it to their stories. Um, and, uh, and yeah, in the beginning I was just like, I was just like messing around, just like pure nonsense. Right. Um, one time I even posted lyrics to a Pitbull song just to see if anyone would notice and like no one did. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, you know, I kept trying to like push it. And then obviously like when you're immersed in like any kind of algorithm, you, the algorithm kind of like trains your creativity, especially when you're doing something like what I was doing. Right. So I found like a style of like a certain breed of like stupidity that I could like put out <laughs> and it would resonate with people. Yeah. And it would just be like the weirdest, like uh, I had one that was like, uh, my favorite one was like, uh, you were like gluten. I couldn't really explain it, but I knew you were meant to be free. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh <my> you're <God. laughs> people are like tagging their significant other in, in these things. Like, it's like, it's like a weird, I don't know. It, it kind of like became the thing I was making fun of. Yeah. Um, and I was like, got to a point where like, when I hit like 4,000 followers or whatever, I was like, okay, how can I monetize this? Because I feel like that's like the next step right. of this, like of this satire, like to take it to the next level, I got to monetize it. Of course. And so I made a poetry book called uh, Flowers Are Just Tiny Trees. Uh, <laughs> it took me a while to think of that title. I was like, what's a title that sounds deep, but means like, it just, it means nothing, right? Yeah, it's so perfect. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I got like a, uh, uh, a bunch of my coworkers like helped me put this book together. It was like uh, Sky Zhang who like uh, did a cover illustration mm-hmm. uh, for that book, and then uh, my friend Beneath who helped me do uh, the layout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was just like fun to like work on. And then when I finally shipped it, like even like writing the product description, uh, pulling in reviews, like just like doing all of that was just like a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can make your education, like your your professional development, align with one of your own interests. I think that's always a good, <laughs> a good avenue to go down. Definitely. Um, and yeah, like uh, my goal was never to like to to make money with this. It was just more of like, a, can I do it? Like, is it like, <laughs> am I capable of doing this? Yeah. Something I with like it. no, you know, no existing demand really. Like, I mean, there is demand in terms of like poetry books and all that, but like. Right. For like this like voice or style. Um, and then, yeah, like strangers were buying the book and I was just like, this is insane. Like how, what, why, who are you? Why are you wasting your money? <laughs> no, because it's entertaining and it's different. Like I haven't seen anything like this and it's just, I think it's funny. And obviously other people think you're funny. <laughs> you think you're funny, I hope. It was, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, yeah. And now it's like a personal, like everyone has like their body of work, right? Now this yeah. is a permanent part of mine. And I'm like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Is this um, not going to be your magnum opus? You're published. No, I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone says like everyone has like a book inside of them. 
Yeah. Just like, you know, just like trying to come out. This is not mine. This is, uh, this. This was a practice yeah, was, run. Yeah, this is definitely not mine. Yeah, this was a, a product more than a book. Yeah. But it's pretty incredible that, like, as you said, you were kind of just messing around in the beginning and then people really took to it. And then you decide to take it to that next step. And then actually creating something physical. Like, I think, yeah, you learn so much from that process. And I mean, oh, it's yeah. just fun. Like, it's different and it's fun. At yeah. the very least. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of side projects for that reason. Yeah. Every time I undertake a side project, I become so much better at the end of it than I, if I were to like, just like, I don't know, like subscribe to a blog or like, there's like some typical ways that people learn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and especially in like my context, like Shopify context, I feel like if I don't exercise my entrepreneurial tendencies, then I'd feel like weird, like writing about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then, so in terms of like side projects, would you say that that's kind of the main way um, outside of the work hours? Even I obviously, I feel like they kind of go together just based on the context that you're in with Shopify. But would you say that side projects are kind of the main way you go about improving your craft, or are there other things that you do, or how would you describe, yeah, kind of like your self development other than? several things that you've given advice on and I that I hope people can take away today yeah side products definitely um yeah that's what I try to do one every year um the other way I learn is I think learning how you learn is like the most important thing mm -hmm. and so information takes me better if I can have conversations with people um if I can find someone who is you know more well versed in a specific area than I am I will right. ask them all my dumb questions like without any hesitation, no embarrassment. Mm -hmm. um, however stupid it might sound at the time. Um, and then uh, a lot of people are willing to teach, right? Like Definitely. And so it's just a matter of like finding those people and then like asking them your questions, grabbing a coffee with people, uh, like learning. Because uh, like I said, like I, I can't tell you the last time I read a blog post about content marketing. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I literally cannot tell you. I think... Like I said, most of that context is born out of people marketing to marketers, marketing to marketers. Um, and if that's not your context, then what can you really take away from that? Right. Um, so I'll talk to people that have experience in other contexts that are like related or even like not. You can like borrow ideas from other people's uh, contexts. Um, mm -hmm. And like, yeah, just like different uh, disciplines with marketing within marketing as well. Um, how they think about certain things. And I think just like getting to the habit of like not being afraid to look stupid. Like I think Ooh. My, my, my least favorite career advice is fake it till you make it. Because Ooh. I'm like, if you fake it, like you're smart, like, like, you know what you're talking about. You never learn. Like you just like, you can't unleash like your full like curiosity and like ask the right questions because you're afraid of looking like, like not smart. Right. Right. Um, so I would just say like, like, don't be afraid to like embarrass yourself. Don't be afraid to like, just like put yourself out there, ask questions, reach out to people um, mm -hmm. and try things like try things in public. Like, um, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that a lot of people like employers aside, like I think that when you kind of show that keenness or that eagerness to learn something, like just putting yourself out there being like, you know, I noticed that you're in this area, would love to learn more from you. I think that just shows 
how teachable you are. And I think that's important to put yourself out there in that way because it shows that you don't know everything and also you don't know what you don't know and you're just open to really expanding yourself, expanding your skill set, you know, expanding your mindset on a certain topic, whatever the case is. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that is great to ha- a great asset to have in the workplace, but just in general going through life because really you should never stop learning. You should be a student of life, I guess you could say, every single day. And asking those questions and being open about what you don't know, I think is just as important as, you know, being confident in what you do know personally. Yeah. And like talking to people who actually do the work, I think is super important. Like, definitely, I think in marketing, especially, there's like a bit of like a punditocracy of like, you know, the like thought leader thing, um, just like, you know, vague things that sound nice, like generalizations about marketing. And I'm like, yeah, if you, this is why I did that podcast, uh, interviewing ICs, because they talk about it with such nuance and passion yeah. where it's like, you can't help but learn like something actionable to take away. Right. Definitely. Versus like generalities, like, uh, what, I don't know, like I, I, I tend to like steer clear of that stuff and just, mm-hmm. just talk to people who are practitioners, uh, who have built things that I want to build or have been places or are at places where I want to go. Um, yeah, just like learning from them. Yeah. Well, that's like how you and I got into contact in the first place. Cause I reached out to you because you're in a place that. I could see myself going one day and you literally let me just pick your brain for an hour on a Saturday. And I still, to this day, have this, that note from that call on my desktop. And I'm always like, oh yeah, that's something good to try. Or this is what I learned from that conversation. And like, here we are now doing a podcast now that I'm in a role that fits me better because of the advice I was able to get from you and like the learnings I was able to take away from that conversation. So you also practice what you preach is what I'm trying to tell the people here. (laughs) that's good to hear that that was useful to you (laughs) yes it was it was very useful um and yeah i think there's like i don't think there's anything that stops folks that aren't at an exec level from sharing what they know because as we both alluded to like we've learned so much from conversations with other ic's um and there's so much we can continue to learn especially as marketing continues to expand and you know there's going to be roles that probably don't exist now that will be up and coming in the next five ten years and you know, we can, you know, be by paying attention to that and folks that are starting to get into that early, we can really learn a lot from how what we're doing now can feed into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I feel like the whole podcast has been you giving advice and sage wisdom, but do you have like one thing that you live by or one piece of advice that you would want to put out to um, other marketers that might be listening? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much of this is no pressure. Just like, <laughs> um, I would say like it would be like advice that I would give myself when I was like more of a junior marketer. Yeah, it's uh, don't say you're bad at anything. Like I think to decide that you are bad at something before you've given it a fair shot mm-hmm. is is not good like I used to be like uh, I'm not good at math so I'm not good at like analytics so I'm not good at like x y and z and I'm like I'm not good at design I'm not good at like and I'm like no I just haven't tried it like yeah you know and it's like the goal isn't to be great at it it's just to like not be bad at it right exactly um because not being bad at it is like learning a little bit of all of these different like skill sets and areas uh, 
it naturally just bleeds over into your craft, um, right. especially when you're a, a marketer, because you it helps to understand how other channels work. It helps to understand, you know, a little bit of design, UX, whatever, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so yeah, like I did, I say like don't put don't put yourself in a box. Uh, I used to be like I am just a writer. This is the only thing I am good at, and it's the only thing I will ever like. That's the mindset I used to be. <laughs> oh no. Um, because like it was the only thing I was ever good at, like growing up, and I was just like. Yeah. I'm just going to do this. Um, but uh, I would say, like, if you can start, I th- the thing that helped me get over it actually was, like, starting my own, like, side projects. Because that's when you really understand what you're capable of. Right. Um, in, like, a sandbox context, right? Like, there is no su- there's no failure, right? You can't really fail. Um, success isn't, like, the main reason you're doing it. It's just a sandbox that you're playing it, right? Right. And then you get to learn how to build sandcastles, uh, right? And then what you learn in that sandbox, you take towards, uh, to the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. Yeah. It's this weird, like, learning as play, I think, is, like, so important if you can do that. Um, like, things that you would do anyway. And, like, marketing, one of the things I like about it is such a versatile skill set that you right. can apply it to, like, a side project or, like, something, right? Mm-hmm. That helps you create something that you care about or that you find interesting uh, that you would do for free while mm-hmm. also building up like a skill set um, that contributes to like your professional work. Right. I definitely agree with what you said. And yeah, I used to be like that as well. Like, especially when it comes to design, like I can tell when I look at something like, or I can definitely articulate what I hope a design looks like, whether it be like for a blog image or, you know, anything like that. But when it comes to actually executing on it, I'm not the best at it, but I no longer say, that I'm bad at design. I'm just mm-hmm. either I haven't really I haven't spent a great deal of time yet, but I am trying to learn more skills there. And and now I just frame it as this is something that I would like to improve upon, rather yeah. than being like, wow, this is shitty. I can't I can't mm-hmm. do well with this. I can't go into this. I can't try this because that's it's not good to limit yourself. Exactly. So yeah, I completely get that. And then my last question for you is. What's next for Braveen? Where do you see yourself? Where do you hope to take your career path? Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I hope to... Uh, so I have this, like, this... <laughs> I have this thing I call... Uh, it's like a more of an expression. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to sell out in your career, and then you get a refund at some point. Ooh. Uh, so... Go on. You work really hard in the early parts of your career to make as much money as possible, get connections, resources, skills, like as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, you get your refund and you allocate that towards what you want to actually do, right? Right. Um, especially if you're a creative, I think this is so important because the thing that, like where your interest started, mm-hmm. at some point you realize it's not where it ended up. And so I'm trying to do more of that now. I'm trying to like exercise my more artistic side uh, in the things that I write, that I put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even need to be like a career change or like anything, you know, massive like that. Uh, it can just be, I'm going to not work like I used to work. Like yeah. I would do like 10 hour days, uh, like consistently, you know, you do all the little extra work that you got to do to get ahead. Right. Um, and then, you know, you get to a point in your career where it's like, you just understand where you're at mm-hmm. and how to leverage that accordingly, like for your next step. 
And I feel like I've finally hit that point where I can like now allocate my time and energy to um, just like other creative pursuits that I, that I would want to, you know, to, to, to check off on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what's next for me. Uh, what that's going to look like, I have some ideas, but not, it'll be a surprise to both other people and me when I finally figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. I've never heard anybody put it that way, but I think that's really going to stick with me and a lot of people. You have to sell out to get that refund. <laughs> Sorry, that I, you, you should see my face right now. No one can, but I'm just like sitting here really sitting on that. So thank you for sharing I, I, that. I want to I write like a like a blog post just on that one topic because I feel like I wish I wish someone I wish someone told me that sooner because I feel like people do it by accident but imagine you did your career with intention right like this whole thing in business where it's like I'm going to start a business with the intent to exit to sell the business right right that just changes the way you go about everything like what you care about what you don't you know uh what you get overwhelmed by I don't know just like and I feel like careers can be similar in that sense I definitely think so and like that not to say that it has to be linear but it's nice to have yeah some sort of end goal or even a few sub goals to that to kind of steer your direction and yeah what sort of steps you're going to take to get there so I would agree there for sure yeah because careers don't need to be linear right mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the biggest trap or the biggest lie that we're kind of told like coming out of school it's like I get go to school get a job uh you know you start off as like a junior and then like yeah whatever whatever manager director vp i'm like careers rarely ever go like that <laughs> no um it's and true. rarely do people even find happiness doing that right yeah so i don't know i'm interested in like hey what are the alternatives exactly. like long term uh for a person definitely and especially too like if we were to just go up the traditional or what's sold to us rather is the traditional marketing ladder it's like there are sacrifices that i imagine have to be made the higher up you go right so it's just like yeah. what are you willing to give up and even as you said, like, what do you, it changes, like, what you care about or what you have time to, to do or what you have time to um, kind of invest in when it comes to yourself and your career path. So it's a lot of things to think about and shouldn't just be, this is the only answer or this is the only way that success looks. I think it's yeah important to keep an open mind as to what the alternatives are. Yeah, so, exactly. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much Praveen I as always have learned so much from this conversation with you Um, I'm sure that folks listening will as well Um, yeah I really appreciate your time today yeah thanks for having me on this was fun this is my first time doing like a a podcast interview (laughs) well hopefully it won't be your last this is gonna be maybe this will be your magnum opus you know (laughs) (laughs) hope so this is a lot of fun awesome well thanks so much